Book Eight, Chapter Twelve of Camilla. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading by Lars Rolander. Camilla or a Picture of Youth by Fanny Burney, Chapter Twelve, Juvenile Calculations. Mrs. Norfield, a lady whom circumstances had brought into some intimacy with Mrs. Burlington upon her marriage, had endeavoured from the first of her entrance into high life to draw her into a love of play, not with an idea of doing her any mischief, for she was no more her enemy than her friend, but to answer her own purposes of having a faro-table under her own direction she was a woman of fashion and as such everywhere received but her fortune was small and her passion for gaming inordinate and as there was not at this time one faro table at southampton whither she was ordered for her health she was almost wearied into a lethargy till her reiterated entreaties prevailed at length with mrs burlington to hold one at her own house the fatigue life without view the peril of talents without prudence and the satiety of pleasure without intermission were already dangerously assaulting the early independence and the moment of vacancy and weariness was seized by mrs norfield to press the essay of a new mode of amusement mrs burlington's house opened failed not to be filled and opened for a faro table to be filled with a peculiar set to game has unfortunately always its attractions to game with a perfect novice is not what will render it less alluring and to see that novice rich and beautiful is still less likely to be repelling mr burlington when he made this marriage supposed he had engaged for life a fair nurse to his infirmities but when he saw her fixed aversion he had not spirit to cope with it and when she had always an excuse for a separation he had not the sense to acquaint himself how she passed her time in his absence a natural imbecility of mind was now nearly virgin upon dotage and as he rarely quitted his room but at meal-times she made a point never to see him in any other part of the day her antipathy rendered her obdurate though her disposition was gentle and she had now left him at tunbridge to meet her aunt at southampton with the knowledge he was too ill to follow her and a determination upon various pretences to stay away from him for some months the ill fate of such unequal alliances is almost daily exemplified in life and though few young brides of old bridegrooms fly their mates thus openly and decidedly their retainers have seldom much cause to rejoice in superior happiness since they are generally regarded but as the jailers of their young prey moderation was the last praise to which mrs burlington had any claim what she entered upon through persecution in an interval of mental supineness she was soon awake to as a pleasure and next pursued as a passion her beloved correspondent was neglected her favourite authors were set aside her country rambles were given up balls and the rooms were forgotten and faro alone engrossed her faculties by day and her dreams during the short epoch she reserved for sleep at night she lost as might be expected as constantly as she played 
but as money was not what she naturally valued she disdained to weigh that circumstance and so long as she had any to pay resigned it with more grace than by others it was won that camilla was not caught by this routinous fascination was not simply the effect of necessity had the state of her finances been as flourishing as it was decayed she would have been equally steady in this forbearance her reasons was fair though her feelings frequently cashed it from the field she looked on therefore with safety though not wholly with indifference she had too much fancy not to be amused by the spirit of the business and was too animated not to take part in the successive hopes and fears of the several competitors but though her quick sensations prompted a readiness like that of mrs burlington to enter warmly into all that was presented to her the resemblance went no further what she was once convinced was wrong she was incapable of practising upon gaming the first feeling and the latest reflection are commonly one both point its hazards to be unnecessary its purposes rapacious and its end desperate loss or destructive gain she not only therefore held back she took the liberty upon the privilege of their avowed friendship to remonstrate against this dangerous pastime with mrs burlington but that lady though eminently designed to be amiable had now contracted the fearful habit of giving way to every propensity and finding her native notions of happiness were blighted in the bud concluded that all which now remained for her was the indulgence of every luxury she heard with sweetness the expostulation of her young friend but she pursued her own course in a very few days however while the blush of shame dyed her beautiful cheeks she inquired if camilla could lend her a little ready money a blush of no less unpleasant feelings overspread the face of her fair guest in being compelled to own she had none to lend but she eagerly promised to procure some from mrs mitten who had a note in her hand to exchange for the payment of some small debts contracted at tunbridge mrs burlington gathering from her confusion how ill she was stored would not hear of applying to this resource though i hate she cried to be indebted to that odious old cousin of whom i was obliged to borrow last night glaring imprudence in others is a lesson even to the most unthinking camilla when she found that mrs burlington had lost every guinea she could command ventured to renew still more forcibly her exhortations against the faro table but mrs burlington notwithstanding she possessed an excellent capacity was so little fortified with any practical tenets either of religion or morality that where sentiment did not take the part of what was right she had no preservative against what was wrong the faro table therefore was still opened and lord valhurst by the sums he lent obtained every privilege of intimacy in the family except that of being welcome against this perilous mode of proceeding camilla was not the only warner mrs alst saw with extreme repugnance the mode of life her niece was pursuing and reprimanded her with severe reproach but her influence was now lost and mrs burlington though she kindly attended her and sought to alleviate her sufferings acted as if she were not in existence 
it was now mrs mitten gained the highest point of her ambition mrs burlington tired of remonstrances she could not controvert and would not observe was extremely relieved by finding a person who would sit with her aunt comply with her humours hear her lamentations subscribe to her opinions and beguile her of rigid fretfulness by the amusement of gossiping anecdotes mrs mitten had begun life as the apprentice to a small country milliner but had rendered herself so useful to a sick elderly gentlewoman who lodged in the house that she left her a legacy which by sinking into an annuity enabled her to quit her business and set up in her own conception for a gentlewoman herself though with so very small an income that to sustain her new post she was frequently reduced to far greater dependence and hardships than she experienced in her old one she was good-humoured yet laborious gay yet subservient poor yet dissipated to be useful she would submit to any drudgery to become agreeable devoted herself to any flattery to please was her incessant desire and her rage for popularity included every rank and class of society the more eminent of course were her first objects but the same aim descended to the lowest she would work read go of errands or cook a dinner be a parasite a spy an attendant a drudge keep a secret or spread a report incite a quarrel or coax contending parties into peace inventing any expedient and execute any scheme all with the pretext to oblige others but all in fact for simple egotism as prevalent in her mind as in that of the more highly ambitious though meaner and less dangerous camilla was much relieved when she found this officious person was no longer retained solely upon her account but still she could neither obtain her bills no answers ever arriving nor the money for her twenty-pound note mrs mitten always awaiting to deliver it and asserting she was sure somebody would come in the stage the next day for the payment she had promised and when camilla wanted cash for any of the very few articles she now allowed herself to think indispensable instead of restoring it into her hands she flew out herself to purchase the goods that were required and always brought them home with assurance they were cheaper than the shopkeepers would let her have them for herself camilla resisted all incitements to new dress and new ornaments with a fortitude which must not be judged by the aged nor the retired who weighing only the frivolity of what she withstood are not qualified to appreciate the merit of this sort of resignation the young the gay the new in life who know that amongst minor calamities none are more alarming to the juvenile breast than the fear of not appearing initiated in the reigning modes can alone do justice to the present philosophy of camilla in seeing that all she wore by the quick changes of fashion seemed already out of date in refusing to look at the perpetual diversity of apparel daily brought by various dress modellers for the approbation of mrs burlington and in seeing that lady always newly brightly and in a distinguished manner attired yet appearing by her side in exactly the same array that she had constantly worn at tunbridge nor was camilla indifferent to this contrast 
but she submitted to it as the duty of her present involved situation which exacted from her every privation in preference to bestowing upon any new expense the only sum she could command towards clearing what was past but after a very short time the little wardrobe exhibited a worse quality than that of not keeping pace with the last devices of the ton it lost not merely its newness but its delicacy alas thought she how long in the careful and rare wear of etherington and cleves all this would have served me while here in this daily use a fortnight is scarce past yet all is spoilt and destroyed ah public places are only for the rich now therefore mrs mitten was of serious utility she failed not to observe the declining state of her attire and though she wondered at the parsimony which so resolutely prohibited all orders for its renewal in a young lady she considered as so great an heiress she was yet proud to display her various powers of proving serviceable she turned changed rubbed cleaned and new made up all the several articles of which her dress was composed to so much advantage and with such striking effect that for yet a few days more all seemed renewed and by the arts of some few alterations her appearance was rather more than less fashionable than upon her first arrival but this could not last long and when all again was fading into a state of decay mrs burlington received an invitation for herself and her fair guest to a great ball and supper given upon the occasion of a young nobleman's coming of age in which all the dancers by agreement were to be habited in uniform this uniform was to be clear fine lawn with lilac plumes and ornaments camilla had now with consuming regret passed several days without one sight of edgar this invitation therefore which was general to all the company at southampton was in its first sound delicious but became upon consideration the reverse clear lawn and lilac plumes and ornaments she had none how to go she knew not yet edgar she was sure would be there how to stay away she knew less this was a severe moment to her courage she felt it faltering and putting down the card of invitation without the force of desiring mrs burlington to make her excuse repaired to her own room terrified by the preponderance of her wishes to consent which she knew her situation rendered unwarrantable there however though she gained time for reflection she gathered not the resolution she sought the stay at southampton by the desire of lindmer had been lengthened yet only a week remained before she must return to her father and her uncle but how return separated from edgar edgar whom she still believed she had only to see again in some more auspicious moment to reconquer and fix for life but when and where might that auspicious moment be looked for not at mrs burlington's there he no more attempted to visit not at the rooms those regions were decidedly relinquished and all general invitations were inadequate to draw mrs burlington from her new pursuit where then was this happy explanation to pass when our wishes can only be gratified with difficulty we conclude in the ardour of combating their obstacle 
that to lose them is to lose everything to obtain them is to ensure all good at this ball and this supper camilla painted edgar completely restored to her she was certain he would dance with her she was sure he would sit by no one else during the repast the many days since they had met would endear to him every moment they could now spend together and her active imagination soon worked up scenes so important from this evening that she next persuaded her belief that all chance of reconciliation hung folly upon the meeting it offered impelled by this notion yet wavering dissatisfied and uncomfortable she summoned mrs mitten and entreated she would make such inquiries concerning the value of the ball dress uniform as would enable her to estimate its entire expense her hours passed now in extreme disquietude for while all her hopes centred in the approaching festival the estimate which was to determine her power of enjoying it was by no means easy to procure mrs mitten though an adept in such matters took more pleasure in the parade than in the performance of her task and always answered to her inquiries that it was impossible to speak so soon that she must go to such another shop first that she must consult with such and such a person and that she must consider over more closely the orders given by mrs burlington which were to be her direction though with the stipulation of having materials much cheaper and more common at length however she burst into her room one morning before she was dressed saying now my dear miss i hope i shall make you happy and displayed upon the bed a beautiful piece of fine lawn camilla examined and admired it asked what it was a yard and how much would suffice for the dress why my dear i'll answer for it there's enough for three whole dresses why it's a whole piece and i dare say i can get a handkerchief and an apron out of it into the bargain but i want neither handkerchief nor apron nor three dresses mrs mitten i shall take the smallest quantity that is possible if i take any at all mrs mitten said that the man would not cut it and she must take the whole or none camilla was amazed she could so far have misunderstood her as to bring it upon such terms and begged she would carry it back nay if you don't take this my dear there's nothing in the shops that comes near it for less than fifteen shillings a yard mrs burlington gives eighteen for hers and i don't look one bit to choose and this if you'll take it all together you may have for ten for all its widths for there's thirty yards and the piece comes to but fifteen pound camilla protested she would not at this time pay ten shillings a yard for any gown in the world mrs mitten who had flattered herself that the handkerchief and apron at least if not one of the gowns would have fallen to her share was much discomposed by this unexpected declaration and disappointed murmuring and conceiving her the most avaricious of mortals was forced away leaving camilla in complete despondence of any power to effect her wish with propriety mrs mitten came back late and with a look of dismay the man of whom she had had the muslin who was a traveller whom she had met at a friend's had not waited her return and as she had left the fifteen pounds with him for a pledge of the security of his goods she supposed he had made off to get rid of the whole piece at once camilla felt petrified no possible pleasure or desire could urge her deliberately 
to what she deemed an extravagance yet here in one moment she was despoiled of three parts of all she possessed either for her own use or towards the restitution of her just debts with others observing her distress though with more displeasure than pity from believing it founded in the most extraordinary covetousness mrs smeaton proposed measuring the piece in three and disposing of the two gowns she did not want to mrs burlington or her sister and miss linmere camilla was a little revived but the respite of difficulty was short upon opening the piece it was found damaged and after the first few yards which mrs mitten had sedulously examined not a breadth had escaped some rent fray or mischief the ill being now irremediable to make up the dress in the cheapest manner possible was the only consolation that remained mrs mitten knew a mantua maker who to oblige her would undertake this for a very small payment and she promised to procure everything else that was necessary for the merest trifle determined however to risk nothing more in such hands she now positively demanded that the residue of the note should be restored to her own keeping mrs mitten though much affronted honestly refunded the five pounds the little articles she had occasionally brought were still unpaid for but her passion for detaining the money was merely with a view to give herself consequence in boasting how and by whom she was trusted and now and then drawing out her purse before those who had less to produce but folly without any design of imposition or fraud all she could obtain by hints and addresses she conceived to be fair booty but further she went not even in thought three days now only remained before this event promising ball was to take place and within three after it the southampton expedition was to close camilla scarce breathed from impatience for the important moment which was preceded by an invitation to all the company to take a sail on the southampton water on the morning of the entertainment End of chapter twelve read by Lars Rolander